Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. All right. Welcome to Action, episode 90 Action. Episode 21 of, of Season 3, this is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on, on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at the Side Action Pod on Twitter and YouTube, as on my shirt, am I my glass again? I'm really promoting this action. All Plus, right. I got the, million, the Millionaire Maker hat on here, which, uh, you know, this is a $1,000 hat, I'll have you know, from year one. Very expensive. <laughs> And Vintage condition, though. And valuable, I might add. <laughs> You've got yours in the background for our YouTube viewers. It's it's on his famous shelf with the Yetis promoting Yeti. <laughs> they are not a sponsor yet, but they will be soon. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's go over uh, some stuff here. You've got some interesting information on the top here. I, I didn't even get to review this. So is this from last week or is this from this week? Oh, yeah. I just figured I would touch on my whirlwind week of opening accounts all across America. Yeah. Yeah. I think like we mentioned last week, there's nine new operators that opened here in Michigan starting on Friday at noon. And nice. I've been peppered with emails and I think every advertisement on the television is a sports book. So um, <laughs> I've got about six new accounts, WEGS. I have not dived into Bet Rivers yet, but I have okay. some of the uh, more typical ones, FanDuel and DraftKings, and nice. bet MGM. I even got a Twin Spires account, which is interesting nice. to me because it's like a horse racing um, Lexington bred account. So that's nice. interesting. Yeah. So did I got a question for you. So do any of those like the FanDuel or something else that are in another state, did you have something in, in Indiana with FanDuel? Yeah. Is it the same? How does it work? Is it the same app or is it a different login or how does it work? That's a great question. Actually, two different versions. I've got BetMGM okay. Indiana and FanDuel, and they both handle it differently. BetMGM uh-huh. is a completely different app and a separate account. I thought that I would be able to just uh, use my funds in either place, wherever I happen to be. But that's right. not the case. I have a, an Indiana account with funds, and then I have a separate Michigan account with funds. Mm. So that's a little bit crappy because now I have these funds that are locked up in Indiana which eventually next time I get there, I'll probably just withdraw. And then (laughs) on the other side, FanDuel did it the complete opposite way. It's one app. I just log in and it automatically recognizes I'm in Michigan and I have access to all my same funds that were in there from the Indiana side. So that's Hmm. nice. Much preferred. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if Rivers is like MGM. It probably is because it's tied to a physical casino. Sure. Um, Right? Because there's an MGM in in Indiana. Is it? that the way it worked no i don't think so actually um they may have a you know a quasi brick Mm -hmm. and mortar somewhere but none that i'm familiar with to be honest with you Mm. Um, and FanDuel is tied with motor city casino here in detroit so they do have a brick and mortar through that outfit nice well at least you got your outs now actually i know you need a minimum of six outs you got (laughs) it you can't live without six you know I haven't counted, but I got to be up near double digits now. I know. Well, I'd be curious at some point, maybe we went a slower week. Uh, we can just, I would just be curious to see the different, you know, whether it's a VIG or, and we haven't talked about this stuff in a while on our podcast, but the first year we talked a lot about, you know, what that means to have a different out, you know, and I know, for example, in Vegas, the famous South Point. Casino, those guys always stay at minus 110. It's always mm-hmm. minus 110. They move the line. Whereas if you look at Rivers or other places where I'm betting, you bet online, they'll move the VIG so it might be a heavier, you know, let's say it's three points. Like we'll talk about the Chiefs later. But, you know, let's say the Chiefs are favored by three. They won't move the line. They'll just move the VIG a little bit. It might be minus 120 until they move it to, you know, three and a half, for example, or if it's, they're trying to get you to bet, they might even give you a plus on, on one side to try to entice you to bet on the one side. So I'd just be curious with all those outs. What I know that in, in the old days, 
the old days, two years ago, with five <laughs> dimes. Five dimes was really cheap on the big, right? Yeah. And it, yeah. I know you like to bet there, but I'm just curious what, you know, how they'd handle it differently. Just, you know. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see that different shops have different methodology, just like you mentioned, uh, you know, BetMGM and FanDuel jump out in my mind just in the last six days of going a little bit high, pricey on the VIG. Sometimes you see minus 115 or 120s that are prevalent. And uh, I, as you and I have talked before, I've learned that I would almost rather steer clear of a, a minus 120 price and even take a worse half point to right. open myself up to a push in college basketball totals, for example, where a half point to me is not worth 10 cents. So right. um, having more outs definitely allows me to not pay that hefty price more often than not. Right. Absolutely. Um, more on me having paying heavy prices uh, later. Um, <laughs> uh, so you had another note about Michigan athletics in general on pause. I don't know if that's just the Wolverine basketball team or are you talking about all athletics? Um, well, coincidentally, Michigan State is coming back from a pause tonight at Rutgers. Mm -hmm. But Michigan, I don't know if you saw in the news, in Washtenaw County, where Ann Arbor is located, there's been several cases of the variant, one of the variants, I don't know. And sure, so right. they preemptively decided at Michigan to shut down all athletic programs earlier this week for two weeks. And sure. that includes the basketball team. So. I was thinking about that time, looking at some futures prices on Michigan because they have been playing phenomenal basketball lately. Yeah. And I have them third ranked in my index, and I'd like to get a little bit of piece of them for a national championship. And I thought mm -hmm. to myself after seeing the news report that I should wait because there are pretty good chances that they'll drop out of the national consciousness and maybe drift a bit on the odds boards between now and the end of their uh, respite. Sure, sure. I gotcha. Well, incidentally, back on the personal side, I don't know if I mentioned all this stuff. I had a crazy last week, and part of it was a, a COVID scare. Oh, I no. You. Yeah, yeah. I had gone out with somebody, you know, on the date, uh, the, the drive-in, which I may have mentioned last week. Um, and uh, turns out I hadn't heard from her all week. I was like, boy, this girl's ghosting me. Must be bad. I must have been really bad on that date. And then she hits me up Friday morning and she's like, hey, sorry, I've been sick. Uh, test positive for COVID. You better check yourself out. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, and I had not gotten a COVID test ever, you know, in the nine or 10 months, whatever we've been sequestered here. So I um, did the whole drive through and all that stuff. Thought it was a rapid test and it wasn't. So then I had to kind of forego playing volleyball and, and I had skate ribbon tickets for Saturday night and all this other stuff. I was all bummed. Turns out, totally got negative results, which is awesome. I right. uh, hope that I'm just immune to, I either have the antibodies or I'm immune to COVID, but um, she's still sick. She's been sick even into this week, but she's still talking to me, so that's good. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that was kind of wild. It was a wild few days there. You know, I just stay in, and, and of course, in Chicago, they just opened up indoor dining again at 25%, like the day I had to stay in, and I was like, damn it. <laughs> Um, plus, like I said, the indoor volleyball, we were playing beach sand volleyball, which I'll play tomorrow and Saturday. So I'm, I'll be fine. But, uh, but anyway, you know, COVID's everywhere, dude. It's, uh, it's a wild time. Yeah. Wild time. So if you pick it up on a date night like that, does it automatically classify as an STD or is it still in a <laughs> completely different category? <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that. We'll, we'll make this, we'll talk about sports later. I was talking about, I think that that's something that, you know, not that this comes up on a first date, but the idea of, hey, have you gotten STDs tests, you know, recently? It's all about COVID tests. So whether it's <laughs> STD or not, whether you consider it STD, COVID, it certainly is uh, something that's a topic of conversation. Uh, and so I guess I now I should get an antibodies test to see if I'm like, hey, I'm, you know, I could beat COVID anytime. But um, I told her, I'm like, hey, look at it this way. In a couple of weeks, you'll you'll have had it, you're through it, and then you know I'm probably immune if I was around you that whole day. So you know there you we're go. good. So, um, but anyway, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's COVID is the next STD. What can you say? Wow, so that sounds like fodder for a future Weg's dating blog post. Yeah, there may be a post on there, buddy. There may be a post for sure. I've got, I've got one in the couple in the hopper here that I got to get out. So, 
All right, well, let's get back to the main podcast, and everybody's loving that part, uh, probably more than this. But anyway, let's get into the recaps of the championship Sunday. Some huge games. It was, you know, epic, definitely on both sides um, going in. The first game was definitely the better game. Uh, Brady, I put Brady best Rodgers. I mean, for those that watched it, obviously Brady versus Rodgers. You know, Brady's going in with Tampa. He can make his 10th Super Bowl. You got Rodgers, who you know, hasn't played in the championship game in his home stadium. And and what happens? Pretty good game uh, in the first half. But, I mean, Tampa, to me, won this game on three plays. I'm not saying it's they could have come back. I mean, Green Bay could have come back. But at the end of that half, you know, uh, the Bucks had done a pretty good job early of moving the ball in Green Bay and scoring, but they were just kind of running out the clock almost. But they they ended up going for it on fourth down late in the first first half, and getting the first down, and it appeared they were just going to go for a field goal. They only had like seven seconds or whatever it was left on the clock, and and little Scotty Scotty Miller beats beats Kevin King deep, and Brady throws a dime to put him up at the end of the half, twenty one to ten. I mean that was a death blow to that team. And then when they come out of uh, the half, Green Bay's got the ball. They got a score. First play, bam, fumble, down to the two. Now they're down 28 to 10. Now, granted, the rest of the game was a little bit different script. They got Brady to throw some interceptions. They got back in it. Had a chance to really tie or win, you know, tie the game late. We can talk about that in a minute, but. Wow. I mean, uh, in the end, Green Bay loses the game outright, 31 to 26. So the Bucks cover the three. Uh, and obviously the, it goes over the total with, with all those turnovers and stuff. But Brady reaches his 10th Super Bowl and Rodgers is now talking about maybe leaving Green Bay. What do you think of that game? Man, just a wild game. I am a little disappointed because mostly because I had a Packers ticket. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. But I was just disappointed in the way that the Packers offensive line played. I think we talked about it. We were texting on Sunday, and it seemed like the Bucks were just in Rodgers' face all day. Mm-hmm. Jason Pierre-Paul had a great game, and the pressure on Rodgers in the end was just too much for them. And they couldn't quite move the ball. I mean, they still ended up with a ton of yards, 346 oh, sure. passing yards from Rodgers. But it was their red zone offense, too, that held them down. You know, you mentioned it earlier in the late fourth quarter when they had an opportunity to tie the game, they decided to forego the fourth down play and kick the field goal and Mm -hmm. uh, certainly wait a little bit of a white flag there. What's your take on the fourth down play? Well, you know, I've heard a lot of analysis about it this week, of course. I do think the point that I've heard that makes the most sense was that, I mean, it was first and goal from like the seven, right? Mm -hmm. And they didn't. I mean, they were trying to go for the touchdown, of course, on the first three downs. But, uh, I mean, to me, it was like, if you know you're going to go for fourth down or going to try to go for fourth down, you don't have to get all the seven yards. I mean, you could run or do a quick, you know, an out or something. And then, obviously, Rodgers, you know, he made a mistake. He should have run the ball on, I think it was third down. He should have run the ball, tried to score, at least would have gotten a couple of yards and Maybe they would have gone for the fourth down. I think they definitely should have gone for fourth down, though. Uh, I mean, given the situation, if you miss it, then at least the Bucks are backed up, yeah. you know, right. in the same situation. Because if you kick the field goal, sure, you're, you're within the score now. You're not down eight, but you still need the ball back to win. It doesn't change the dynamic. So it was interesting for a young coach like LaFleur to make that decision. I got to think the analytics were – against him kicking the field goal Mm -hmm. and then he chose to do it again now granted they did pick off brady three times in the in the you know in in the second half which is usually that's a loser for the bucks oh yeah but what they did again i think that you know brady was masterful you know i'm not a huge brady guy but he's the best there's no question he's the go but Going front on first down, throwing that nine yard out right away, it just went, it just, they were expecting the run, right? And they just boom. So those plays, those really smart plays, getting that first down, getting that Scotty Miller touchdown, getting that first down and nine, getting that nine yards on first. I mean, he, he, he outplayed and they got, and they outcoached, you know, Green Bay for sure. The Aaron Jones fumble right out of the halftime was huge too. Add that one in there. Yeah. Again, another game where the Bucks were really aided by turnovers by their opponent. Yep. So, yep. 
I again, I'm going to say it. We'll get to the Super Bowl <laughs> analysis later, yeah. but I'm just not sure that Tampa Bay is the team that they are based on these outcomes recently. Yeah. Well, I'll leave some comments for later, but yes, let's right. let's go to the next game. All right, so the next game was the Chiefs. Uh, I just put the Chiefs are cut above. I mean, Mahomes coming in. Oh, he's got this nerve thing. His foot. Can he run around? And the Bulls, the Bill. I'm sorry, Bills. The Bills came out hot. They really should have scored a touchdown early, got a field goal. Then they get McCole Hardman made a bad play, fumbling the ball. They get an early touchdown. They're up nine nothing. Of course, it's like the Bill, uh, the Chiefs of last year, falling down early. But after that, see you later. I mean, the Chiefs eviscerated the Bills' defense, which was not surprising. But the fact that Kelsey and Hill got all the yards, 290 receiving yards out of 325 passing yards, those are the two guys you have to stop. Yeah. Um, and in the end, I mean, it was just a track meet that the Bills couldn't run. And I think Josh Allen, he's going to learn. You know, I love him. Hopefully he'll be better next year. He was making some bad throws where they didn't pick the ball off early. And they end up, uh, Chiefs win 38-24, so this this game also goes over, uh, but the Chiefs finally cover a, a game. And now Mahomes is, the you know, the second Super Bowl at 25 years old, which is the youngest of any player, so it's incredible. Yeah, if there's anyone that can ever rival Tom Brady's masterful Super Bowl record, it might be Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, you know, just trying to get out of my apps as quickly as possible when they got down 9-0 because yeah. just like last year in the playoffs, sure. you just had a feeling sure. that the Chiefs were going to come back and win this football game, and they did so in flying fashion. Mahomes was just incredible. They were getting a little bit of a pass rush on him, and sure. I think it was in the early third quarter on consecutive plays, Mahomes just totally deked the oncoming yes. rusher and then threw like a 30-yard bomb twice right. in a row. So, um even if the Bucs are able to get some pressure on him, I think Mahomes, given two more weeks of uh, rest and relaxation, you got right. to imagine that his toe is going to be better. And uh, he'll probably have a little bit more ability to run in the Super Bowl as well, which is just going to make this offense even more dynamic. Right. And, um, I, it must be said, though, the Mahomes rushing prop under and mm-hmm. Josh Allen with 88 rushing yards of his own. <laughs> Right. He didn't play awful. I mean, the Bills no. were certainly better than I expected. Yeah, they just, you know, the thing is, and I, and I may have written this in there, the one thing the Chiefs did, though, they stopped the run. They didn't stop Josh Allen. He had 88 yards rushing. Some of that was planned. Some of it was scrambles. I mean, with the running backs, they had 41 yards. I mean, they just stuffed the run. So they made Josh Allen beat him, and he couldn't. And as good as he's been, as good as Diggs has been, obviously, I don't know if you heard the report that Cole Beasley, which, of course, on the reports never said this, he actually had a broken bone in his fibula. Okay, got it, or tibia or something. So he had a a cracked tibia. He's playing on a cracked tibia. So they weren't 100%. But, hey, this team played great. They had an incredible season. They're going to be back. They're young. They got a young receiver, young receiving core. They got a young quarterback. Unfortunately, they're in the AFC. You know, so they're going to need the Chiefs to take a step back. Um, But, yeah, it was an incredible season for them. What I was going to say to get back to that point about the big is that I mean, I'm glad I got good numbers going in. I think going in, I think said last week I had the Chiefs at you know minus two and a half, and the Bucks uh, at plus four, but I paid extra for that, right? I mean, obviously I, I won those bets, but in the end, neither of those bets came in. But I paid the extra vig, probably wasn't worth it, right? It might have been worth just to let it go to three and a half, <laughs> drop down on the one side or three on the other, uh, and have been okay. I ended up losing my totals bets, of course, as as usual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean, it only only costs you when you lose, right? Yeah. So um, as long as you're on the right side, it's not an issue, but it's in the long term where it begins to add up. It does. So still a profitable weekend, though, for you, right? Yeah, yeah. I made money. I mean, not a ton. You know, because the thing is, it's like when I do those totals, you know, I'm like – yeah, about the same, you know, so okay. basically it's, you know, I usually it's, it's just four units or whatever. So I usually pay the big back or I usually, you know, Rivers gives me these little bonuses. So I get, uh-huh. I get, you know, I kind of pay less. So I usually really, it's a break even weekend. Hopefully I'll be more profitable on the Super Bowl. Um, so let's go into the Super Bowl a little bit, just an early preview America. We're just going to talk generally about the numbers. We'll go deeper next week, but just to give you an idea of what's going on, let's cover, uh, I guess now that I think the, now the spread is three, right? Kansas City minus three. Is that what you're seeing for the most part? 
just pulling up the odd screen here, I can tell you. I, I think uh, there's a few three and a halfs out okay. there in America, both domestic and offshore, but also right. some threes that are a little juiced to the Kansas City side. Right. And then the total is around 56 and a half. I don't know if it's going up or down, but one thing I've heard is that for the most part, this is going to be the spread. You're not going to see massive movement here. And it makes sense because the teams are good. But even the three, I'm surprised you're seeing three and a half. I had three and a half on the board originally, but it got quickly bet down to three. And what's interesting to me is that even if the Chiefs are a prohibitive favorite, like in the money line world, uh, you know what I mean? They're not going to match up to one another. The, what I understand for the Super Bowl, the, the spread and the money line will not equate to a normal week because so many people just bet the money line. Sure. Um, so it's it's kind of a unique situation when you're doing Super Bowl betting. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention, there's a couple big injuries we got to talk about, especially on the Chiefs side. Uh, you've got left tackle Eric Fisher. He tore his Achilles in that game against the Bills. He's out, he's out obviously, indefinitely you know, for next year. Hopefully he comes back. So that's a huge one. They're going to be juggling their offensive line again because I think their right tackle is also – a replacement guy. So it's been, you know, a patchwork situation. Uh, some questionable guys, Le'Veon Bell, who didn't play uh, in the championship game. He has a knee issue. He's questionable. William Gay, the, the linebacker, has, has an ankle injury. Uh, Sammy Watkins, you know, he's back on there with his calf. And uh, Legereus Snead, the cornerback, is in the concussion protocol. On the Bucks side, you've got Antonio Brown, who didn't play in the championship game with his knee is questionable, but here's the two guys that I'm interested in finding out about. Antoine Winfield, the strong safety, his ankle, he's on, he's questionable. And Jordan Whitehead, the free safety, he's his shoulder, he's questionable. I understand that, um, I, can't, I think it's Whitehead that may not play, right? It's one of them's not as good as the other. And those guys, they definitely need those guys against Hill and the gang. So, you know, you know, I just had some topics here, action. I mean, General ideas. I mean, you know, we've talked about the Brady Mahomes matchup before in past years. Now you've got him. It's maybe a rematch game for Mahomes. You know, he can get a revenge. Uh, they're both two and two against each other. But in the playoffs, Brady took him out two years ago. Yeah, that was with Bill Belichick on the yes, defensive side of the ball, though. <laughs> and uh, I think that the Chiefs offense might be a little bit different version of itself, too, this time around. So certainly a matchup for the ages, Mahomes versus Brady, kind of like a passing of the torch game. Although Mm -hmm. I don't think Brady is ready to pass any torches. He wasn't uh, the (laughs) Rodgers. I have full (laughs) expectation Brady will be back next year, regardless of the outcome of this game. But, you know, I'm leaning to the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. I've already snapped up the Chiefs minus three at minus one ten. On top mm-hmm. of, I think we both have Super Bowl futures on the Chiefs. We do, we do. We'll need to talk about it at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely like the Chiefs in this game. You mentioned the money line earlier. Mm-hmm. You also find in Super Bowls, I think you're alluding to this, that a lot of public bettors will just line up and give me the underdog on the money line because right. they see that plus value and sure. they see some value there. And you actually might find some value on the other side with the Chiefs if you wait until game time because mm-hmm. that may come down a little bit from its current number, about 165 at the moment. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, I'll talk about mine in a minute, but I was going to cover these other ones. So what about the home field? I mean, this is kind of weird. I don't even – I haven't heard any reports yet. I'm assuming they're, let it, they're going to let some fans in Tampa, if not a lot, because Florida is the Wild West down there. But, I mean, we haven't seen home field – advantage all season i can't usually super bowls aren't about home field but it is one of the rare times if ever that a home a team is hosting the super bowl and they're playing in their hometown yeah i think the first time ever okay yeah and uh there is expected about twenty thousand fans okay and i think there's some number whether it's six thousand comes to mind they're giving to frontline healthcare workers okay from across the country not just tampa workers and um, I do think that there's going to be some Tampa fans there. But to be honest with you, I am not really allocating any advantage to home field in this matchup. Okay. It's your standard two-week time frame turnaround, so there's no real travel advantage or, or non-travel in the case of the right. Bucks. And um, 
I just don't really expect there to be an inordinate amount of Bucks fans in attendance. In fact, I've read reports that ticket prices are going to be the highest in history because of oh, the reduced wow. amount. Okay, okay. Yeah, I did hear that there's travel restrictions for this. So it's I think the Chiefs, they are allowed to come in on maybe Friday. It's not a normal junket oh, okay. like you would have, normally okay. have where they would show up like the week before and there's just, you know – whatever reporter row it's not going to be like that this year it's going to be a much more truncated time frame they could actually come in the night before if they wanted to um so it's kind of like a normal road game for kansas city so maybe it's you know maybe it is no advantage like you said uh just a, a note i i kind of found this interesting so the buccaneers now are the they're the first true wild card uh, to get to the super bowl right wow. since 2010 and that was the packers who did that and they actually won the super bowl um, it is, you know, it, it's just a weird stat, but it is very rare to have a, a real road, you know, basically a, a team who's gone on the road the whole time except for the Super Bowl and play uh, and get in there. So it's it's unique. Um, I was thinking this is one of the angles I kind of wanted to talk about. We could talk more about it next week is that in the first matchup, you know, the Bucks tried to do what they do. It's bump and run coverage. It's a lot of blitz heavy schemes and they got lit up. I mean, Tyreek Hill had 200 yards in the first half and first quarter. And, you know, Mahomes had over, you know, whatever, almost 400 yards passing. Mm-hmm. Do, you th- do you think they're going to change change strategy? Or are they just going to try to do it better? Well, I mean, I was listening to a little bit of a media podcast earlier this week that suggested that the Bucks defensive coordinator, and his name is escaping me. Todd right. Bowles? Yeah, Bowles, thank you, is real, typically reluctant to change his game plans. True. And he sticks to his old tried and true, and he thinks that his defense works, and mm-hmm. he is likely going to play the same in the Super Bowl. And I, for one, think, like you, that is probably going to be a mistake given the yeah. outcome in the first meeting. So. Right. It'll be interesting to see if Bowles comes up with something new for the Chiefs in this game. you got to figure with the two weeks he may be able to, but the question is if he has the, you know, sets his ego aside to do so. Right, right. Well, I will tell you, Action, that the the Weggs Index, which is, you know, usually 65 to 70% accurate in the playoffs, even against the spread, uh, is uh, is on the Bucks. You know, the Bucks oh. are higher rated. And it's because of the defense and, and not necessarily the turnovers. It, this does not factor in the playoff run. It's just the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and really on the field, what I was going to say earlier when you're talking about the turnovers, what I've noticed about the Bucs in, in at least the last two games, not against Washington, but against the last two games, they've come out and been the aggressor. They've been way more physical than the other team. And, you know, the Chiefs aren't exactly that type of physical team, right? They're they're more of a speed merchant group. I do think the way that they call the game makes a difference. And it's true that they've, against the Saints and against the Packers, they get away with holds all the time. I mean, yeah. they're playing this bump run coverage. They're pulling jerseys. They're, and Devin White's playing at another level, obviously. Uh, so that's why that they're higher rated. I haven't been able to get myself to, to bet that. <laughs> <laughs> but I would have been profitable if I just stuck to the index uh, in the playoffs most of the time. So, uh, but anyway, as you said, we'll discuss a little more strategy next week, a little more deeper, but it's just interesting how like on paper, the two best teams, I think I told you it was the Bucks and the Saints. Those were the two best teams and those teams in the end, the Buck the Saints should have beat them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the Saints are better. But anyway, uh, the last thing I just was going to say is just, you know, we'll figure it out, but, I mean, are the Chiefs just better? You know, we had talked about this last week. If the Chiefs play their game, they beat everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just whether they play down to the competition and let the team hang around and then or just take their foot off the gas pedal. And last week, for the first time in a long time, they didn't. And if they can do that against the Bucks, they should win, right? That's the that's the working theory. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. They straight up dominated the Bucks in the first meeting. I think mm-hmm. they were up by 20 points at halftime, and yeah. I think it was the Chiefs really just taking their foot off the gas in the second half that allowed the Bucks to get back in, into the back door in that game. They ended up covering with a late they touchdown, did. three, and the spread was three and a half. So I don't think that the Chiefs are going to make that mistake this time. And um, right. 
I've got that future and I would like to get some more money down on them somehow if I can. Already late mm-hmm. three, I mentioned, but maybe the props are the way to attack it. Yeah, yeah, that could be. And the last note I didn't even put on the outline is the Bucks. their last loss was against the Chiefs this year. So that's the last time they've lost, and that was in week 12. So they've, wow. they're, they've been on a run. They've been on a run for sure. So No doubt. All right, let's go into hoops, uh, second half of the podcast here. So, you know, we'll just kind of go over the index and then our picks from last week and then some games we like this week. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't look like a lot of changes on the, on the action index here. Action, I don't know, is there anything of note that we should be looking at here? No real changes. In fact, I don't think that any one team shuffled. Florida State Yep. may have jumped into the top 10 from last week. And I think they flip-flopped with Texas Tech after their loss at West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's worth mentioning again that Gonzaga and Baylor are now seven points clear in my (laughs) ratings above third-place Michigan. Right. But you still don't have any futures on those teams yet, right? No, I sure don't. And uh, I've looked. Their odds are lower than 10. It's just gotten away from me. I don't really think there's any value in taking uh, 800 price on either of these teams right right you did say that you like uh i think it was alabama last week you were you were kind of on for a final four bid uh i you know i i'm looking at teams now i'm starting to do more analysis and there's some teams i like i I, you know i do like florida state i always do you know leonard hamilton i've talked about him before i mean he just has a great brand of basketball and and the acc to me is a little weak this year yep so they're going to have a good path to get at least a top two seed. Maybe maybe it'll be a three seed, but we'll see how it shakes out. Um, okay, team, well, let's go into our last. team that's what? been rising in my uh, perception, too, not in the top ten here, but Virginia at yes. 12 started out a little slow in conference play, and the last couple of games have really picked up their game, both defensively and on the offensive end. So well, that team can score the basketball now. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's what I was going to say about the West Virginia Texas Tech game. I was shocked at the total. Yeah. Uh, this team's both got over 80. It was incredible. But and that's the thing about Virginia. They're still playing their brand of basketball, but they're scoring. It's um, what's his name? Sam. Sam Hauser. Sam Hauser, right? Mm-hmm. Hauser. And then I, I watched the the highlights when they played Syracuse earlier this week, and it was just. I mean, alley-oop dunks against the zone all day, but also open jumpers. So that that team's going to be really good. To me, in the ACC, you've got Florida State and you've got um, Virginia, and that's pretty much it. I'm sure there's other teams that are – I mean, North Carolina's getting better. Duke is struggling. It's going to be those two teams that are duking it out. Sorry, figuratively. Um, and uh, and so they um, it's interesting. I do think the strength is in other conferences this year. You know, we talked about that Big Ten, Big, tw- Big 12, and obviously Zags are out there. And SEC has some good teams, too. Well, let's look. Last last week, we just have to toot our own horn. We, we, we kicked ass last week, actually. We, you know, oh, yeah. we went 4-1 and one in our picks. Uh, Michigan covered against Purdue. We just talked about Florida State, who destroyed Clemson. The only miss was Wisconsin against Ohio State. And then um, we got Rutgers as well in Indiana. And then the West Virginia pick, we listed it actually as they were going to be a favorite by one at home. But they ended up being the dog one and a half. And that was when I I thought we were on the same. I'm sorry, Action. I, I was. I thought we were. The, I misunderstood your text when I, I deleted my text, and I'm like, "Hey, buddy, we got the win." And he's like, "Well, actually, I got minus two. I'm like, "Oh, I got plus one and a half. Sorry." But anyway, it was an exciting game. Yeah, I thought I was getting out in front of that. You know, the night before, saw sure, West Virginia right. minus two and laid it, and unfortunately, that number went the other direction on me. So. Right. It happens. But with Tech, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot with these things. I should put them in the outline. Who's the shooter for Tech? They got a guy who can really score the ball. Mac McClung, former That's right. Georgetown Hoya transfer. Yeah. yeah, he can light it up. Uh, he, he had a hell of a game against West Virginia. But West Virginia's got a closer on that team. They got a guy who can score you know, and drive the ball to the cup. And, and what was that guy's name? That dude was scoring it late in that game. Um, Culver's brother, I think. Is yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's take a look at some of the games this week. You know, we always like to put in the Friday night action because that's that's action's favorite, and it's usually Big Ten uh, basketball. So we've got Illinois uh, going to, or actually hosting uh, Iowa, and um, 
I know this is probably against your index and all, but um, <laughs> but uh, I like Illinois. They've actually lost two of three games at home, but I just love this matchup. You know, Kofi Coburn against um, Garza. You know, Garza is a hell of a ball player, but Kofi's just a beast, and I really like their physicality. They can score with the Hawkeyes. Certainly, that they're better in your index, and they're also better in Ken Palm. But you know, one and a half is a short short favorite at home, so I'm I'm hoping that uh, Illinois will take them down tomorrow night. Yeah. I was actually looking at this game and um, certainly eyeballing it. It's an incredible matchup. These were probably mm-hmm. the two top teams in the preseason Big Ten rankings, and uh, Garza versus Coburn is going to be awesome. I cannot wait to watch it. And right. I'm with you. I I um, I laid the points with Illinois here. I, I'm showing that Iowa is like half a point better mm-hmm. than the Illinois Fighting Illini, and uh, the the fighting line I are just beasts on the board. So right. second ranked offensive rebounding. And the other advantage where I think they're going to have in this game is at the three point line. They are a great three point shooting team and Iowa, not so great defensively there. So I do expect that, uh, IO Desumu and company will get some threes off and hopefully they'll make enough of them to, um, win this game. Going to be fireworks though. I've got the total projected at 153. I'm not sure what it opened up at, but there's going to be a lot of points in this one. Right, right, for sure, for sure. The only thing I'll add, and and this is the spot for it, I meant to mention it earlier in the outline, but I've been monitoring and texting my dad and brothers every night that Big Ten road teams are on an incredible tear. I (laughs) I know, you've mentioned it before. (laughs) Last night, two more victories by uh, road teams, and I think there was a couple more before that over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, I put it down as a homework assignment. Next week, America, I'm going to go back and check every Big Ten game and figure out what the exact number is against the spread for road teams. Yeah, let's figure it out. It's an advantage. I agree. You said that before. You don't have the, the, the fans, the rabid fans that you normally would in a Big Ten setting. And so, yeah, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure there's a – it's kind of like the NFL. Not as much an advantage for home, home court anymore. Yeah. You've got two more Friday night action spots. I like this action. You're coming back here. I don't know if I put this or you did, but St. Louis, uh, who actually lost to Dayton the other night, they're back in action at Richmond. Uh, you know, St. Louis must have had a major COVID situation because they didn't play for weeks. Uh, so they're back. They didn't play great against Dayton on the road. Now they're going to Richmond. You're showing them as a one-and-a-half-point dog on the road, but you like St. Louis in this matchup? I do. Yeah, this Billikens team is one of my favorites. And before the COVID scare, they started out super hot, 7-0 and against the spread. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think it was much more than a scare. I read that like almost their entire team got sick with the virus. So right. they were off for over a month and just returned to play. And they really kind of got beat down by Dayton in that mm-hmm. game. I was on the Dayton side myself, but... Despite that, I think that a couple more days of practice here this week and getting back into the gym, they'll be rounding into form. And I was shocked to see them open up as an underdog. That's an actual line. I've got St. Louis as six points better than Richmond. So I'm definitely going to take it with the Billikens. There you go. There you go. Uh, this next one I'm not as excited about. Uh, actually, I don't <laughs> like it at all. I put it but... on there for you. I know you did. Uh, so this one is Boise State at Colorado State. They play Friday now. I, Colorado State beat Boise last night, right? Correct. So I'm assuming this is your zigzag theory where Boise is on the road at Colorado State. They're getting one point. You're thinking it's a zigzag back to the uh, Broncos? Mm-hmm. I do. Last night, Weggs, uh, you may recall that Colorado State was actually a three-and-a-half-point underdog in this matchup. They were. And they came out and put a good game on Boise. And won the game. Um, but despite that, I think that Boise is still the class of this conference. Okay. They are um, winning a lot of basketball games. And they're going to have a pretty significant edge on the backboards, which did not come to fruition last night because Colorado State made a lot of shots. You so did. I'm playing the zigzag theory here. And I do like Boise State here. Again, I can't believe that they opened up as an underdog in this one. I took right. Boise State plus one for tomorrow night looking to bounce back. 
Hey man, they're going into Moby, Moby Arena. Nobody survives Moby. Uh, yeah, well, I see what you're saying. I mean, both these teams are really good uh, in this in this conference. I think you're probably right that what what I've seen, at least even when Colorado State played, you know, San Diego State, who's better in metrics but aren't doing as great in the record department, they split. So this is very common where these teams split. So I don't think it's a bad take, actually, even though it's against my Rams. <laughs> Let's go into the Saturday matchups. We've got a couple big ones in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, which happens every year. I'm glad that they're still doing it. Alabama at uh, Oklahoma on Saturday. This is These are two really good basketball teams. This is almost like a preview to a March Madness matchup, maybe a Sweet 16 matchup or something. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Alabama as a one-point uh, favorite on the road. And, I mean, to me, I know you love this Alabama team, and I do too, but uh, does it? What do you think? I mean, Oklahoma just took out Texas. That was a big win for them. I know Shaka Smart wasn't on the sidelines, but you still like Alabama in this matchup. I do. Yeah, I think I think you made a good selection here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got in my numbers Alabama is a little over four points, the superior team in this one, and mm-hmm. I think that they're going to have a pretty big advantage on offense. The Oklahoma Sooners defense quite does, doesn't quite match up like they do on the other side, and I think that Alabama will be able to get points of plenty in this one. And I think that Oklahoma will score too. I, I wrote in here that I do like the over as well, mm-hmm. 147, but I can endorse your Roll Tide pick. <laughs> roll Tide. Also, this would be an excellent uh, football game typically too. Yeah. So uh, I wish kind of I kind of wish they had this in college football too. This uh, SEC Big Twelve Challenge every year. That would be cool. So the next game is Tennessee, who is going to host Kansas. Uh, this is also on Saturday. I should have said the first game is at eleven o'clock in the morning. You got on Central. You got to get up early, and then uh, Tennessee. It's a five o'clock game. Uh, you're showing Tennessee as a two point favorite at home. Now Kansas technically is better in most of like Ken Palm's metrics, but they're very close. But I, I do like the Vols here. I, their defense is really good. Um, and I, even though the Jayhawks are a balanced team, I just I just like this Tennessee team, especially at home. Can you get on board with me? Yeah, I think so. Um, I like the Volunteers as well. They're one of the best teams in the SEC. Them and Alabama are probably the two favorites to win the conference right now. Right. And I do think that they're a superior squad here. Um, I've got about a half-point difference. But the key for me here for Tennessee is on the defensive side of the ball. They're number two ranked in defensive efficiency. And right. I think that they'll be able to stop the Kansas attack. So I agree. I like this pick as well. Nice. Well, we are going to mention this game, but skip it again, because UCLA was going to play Oregon as a makeup game at 4 o'clock Central <laughs> on Monday. But apparently it's been rescheduled again because there's we think it's the Ducks that are hit by, by COVID. So... TBD when this game is going to be played. Uh, so let's jump to the last game on the card here, which I don't know if we guess we don't have a, a line yet, but Baylor and Texas, I saw this is supposed to be played on Tuesday. I guess this must be a rescheduled game uh, because it, I didn't show, I didn't see a time on it, okay. uh, but I thought it was a big game to mention if they are going to play it. Um, and, you know, I know you love Baylor and we've talked a lot about them, but Texas is definitely that team that can stand up to them this year. What do you think about this matchup action? Oh, I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> and uh, let's see, you have Baylor on the road at Texas or vice versa? I had Baylor at Texas. Let okay. me see if that's accurate, uh, according yeah. to my... It does appear Ken Palm has it on the schedule, which, of course, mm-hmm. is gospel to us college basketball <laughs> betters. That's and right. Ken Palm shows Baylor a... as a five-point in this game so if it's okay with you for this synopsis i think we could go with a five okay um let me correct myself you like baylor in the matchup well i wanted to talk about it i didn't know the line i you know i would i would tend to in this situation with five points probably go with texas but Mm -hmm. i know baylor has covered every game except for one against kansas this year right this team is just a covering machine yeah, they are indeed, and uh, as you may remember from earlier in our discussion, I have them head and shoulders above the rest of the NCAA, and do. I show them as a 10-point victor Ooh. in this one based on my algorithm, 
and uh, I have no interest in getting in front of Baylor right now. So <laughs> if I were to pick this game at five, I would definitely be on that side. Right, right. I mean, I don't know when you pulled the, your numbers, but I pulled Ken Palm's numbers on Tuesday. Baylor, just so you know, is number one in defensive efficiency, number three in offensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. They're really stinking good. I mean, Texas is good. There's 16 on offense and eight on defense, but when you stack those teams up, I mean, I was wondering actually with Ken Palm specifically, how the hell are the Zags better? I mean, the Zags are two on offense and 11 on defense. I don't really know the math there, but Baylor is, I know that they beat them head to head earlier this year, right? Mm-hmm. But is that true? They, they played earlier this year? They did. Uh, no, it was scheduled, but it got canceled because oh, of COVID. Okay. Okay. My bad. So but, hopefully we can you know, see but them anyway, later. So you definitely would uh, have Baylor, you know, go Bears. I Those do. Guys. I mean, to be <laughs> honest with you, if there's any team in the Big 12 that matches up with them, it's Texas. Um, mm-hmm. Baylor's number one three-point offensive field goal percentage, 44%, which is like almost Steph Curry territory. And, sure. And uh, Texas Doves have a pretty good three-point defense, 20th ranked. So right. they certainly might be able to slow them down on that side of the ball. and. As I'm talking about this game, I'm kind of liking the under a little bit. I think that you may see a little bit more of a slog fest in this one. Okay, sounds good. I just wonder, too, not that, you know, coaching is a really tough thing. College basketball, it probably, I would say, I mean, obviously, you know, like Nick Saban's a, a, a god of, you know, college football, but I do believe the coach makes more of a difference in college basketball than any other sport that we talk about at least mm-hmm. um more than college football more than pro football because in game the motivation the decision making and obviously i mean there's certainly motivation coming up to the game but to me the in-game adjustments have to be on the fly and that's when that coach matters and we've talked about this on other po- on other episodes that for final four stuff you, you almost have to have an incredible coach i mean even if they have great talent they never can go win six games without having great coaching yep. so you know when i look at the situation shaka smart i don't know if he's going to be back or not for this matchup I, you know he he was the one who tested positive for covid mm-hmm. and they did miss a couple guys for tracing purposes against oklahoma so that obviously would factor into my handicap uh, looking at betting that game next week but you know, we'll see. Uh, it should be it should be a hell of a game, like you said. And for right now, I guess I'll be on your Baylor minus five. But if I see a bigger number, I might just jump on Texas. Then. May I ask you, how do you uh, rate Scott Drew as a head coach in terms of your college basketball coaching hierarchy? You know, it's really interesting. I I think he's a good coach. I've never thought of him as an amazing coach, right? But but why? He's put together some really good teams. They they've done well. You know, when you look at like the bigger programs out there, like the Mark Fuse or stuff, I don't I mean, I don't consider Few an excellent coach. I think he's a great recruiter. Yeah. Right. Whereas, you know, the you know, the Izzo's of the world, the, the you know, you've, you've dog coached K in the past. I know you really liked his tirade last week. Um, but <laughs> but we've talked about Chris Beard is an excellent yeah. coach and he's proved it. I think Calipari's out actually a great coach too, uh, both in game and, and recruiting. So I would say he's right now, he's got to be probably top 10 in the top 10. I wouldn't put him in a top five, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure about you. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I think that uh, Scott drew for me, it doesn't really blow me away based on the end game scenarios that I've seen right. mostly predominantly in the NCAA tournament, because I think that right. in those high leverage situations is where you really see the coaching shine. And right. um, for me, Scott Drew just hasn't really done it to a level that would have me uh, as a top 20 coach even. So right. just curious right. your thoughts. I think we're on Yeah, we'll just see when it, when it comes. You know, I used to love Shaka. I thought Shaka was the best at VCU. I'm just an incredible coach. And he has really struggled at Texas. In fact, I was shocked he wasn't fired last year. Um, maybe COVID helped him because <laughs> he wasn't because he weren't they weren't going to make the, the tournament. And then this year, bam, he's got this amazing team. He's had talent on that team before, but now they're finally buying in. I'm not sure. Maybe it's the hair you talked about that last time. It's the, the hair. COVID hair. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, anyway, great matchups to watch this weekend. So I'm excited and definitely getting more into college hoops every right. week now. Action. So I'll, I'll be I'll be doing my, my own bracketology 
starting you know next week and i'm so excited so wags i'll tell you i'm growing out my locks just to become a better handicapper so (laughs) is that it that's (laughs) it okay uh i i you know i go covid hair all every time anyway it doesn't doesn't help my handicapping so yeah right (laughs) anyway well great man well let's uh everybody out there who listens is religious with us thank you so much for your listens like us on the podcast. We never say this. Like us on the podcast. You know, like us on, on uh, YouTube if you watch. You know, tell your friends. Tell grandma. Tell everybody about us. You know, we need the help. And, um, you know, and just mention it again. It's a little plug. We are going to be out there, even with the shifted schedule. We'll be out in Vegas for the first weekend of the tournament. And if you're out there, let us know. We definitely want to hang out. We'll be at, the, you know, Stadium Swim on Friday. So exciting times. Yeah, Stadium Swim's not ready for us. <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at Site Action Pod on Twitter and YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right. Thanks, everybody. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. License under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.